This is Steve Goodrich, known on the trail as Bird Shooter, and this is N2 Backpacking, a podcast for both hikers and backpackers. This is Bird Shooter, and tonight we get caught up with 30 Pack, who we last spoke with in January 2014 after he completed the Pacific Crest Trail. Since then, he's had numerous adventures, and in this first segment of a two part series, 30 Pack updates us on his post through hike adventures without burst, their uh, exploration of wild canyons, hot springs, and the trails in the western U.S., and their eventual breakup. After a uh, move to Seattle, 30 runs his first marathon. He uh, gets involved and attacked while working with the homeless, and uh, 30 Pack takes up biking and actually hints to his next big adventure in the show. If you haven't heard episode 13 on his AT through hike or 19/20 on his PCT through hike, uh, you might want to check them out first or uh, jump in right now with the man we like to call 30. This is Bird Shooter, and tonight on the show, I'd like to welcome back. 30 pack we talked with him about his through hike of the uh, at in episode 13 about his through hike of the pacific crest trail in episodes 19 and 20 but it's been two and a half years since we last spoke and he's going to update us on some of his uh many recent adventures and give us a glimpse at the uh excitement that he's had over the last two and a half years kc welcome back to the show hey bird shooter how are you so 30, I understand you're going to be 30 this coming May. Is is that correct? 30 pack about to turn 30. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I'll be turning 30 for 30 uh, May 18th. Yeah, I don't wow, know that... what what it's going to bring in. Do you think there's going to be an SP, ESPN special 30 for 30 <laughs> at 30 on, on your uh, your long distance hiking activities? Uh, that'd be super groovy. Maybe one day. I don't reckon it's going to come soon though. <laughs> yeah. Are are you going to do anything uh, super cool to celebrate? Have you thought that far ahead? Um, no, I don't I really don't plan too far ahead, but I've been really I've been getting into riding my bike a lot recently. So I think next summer I'll be on some type of long distance bike ride. Yeah, I mean, are we talking cross country here or are you uh are you going to do a little shorter route? Um I, you know, I don't know exactly. It will be over a thousand miles. I can tell you that. <laughs> That's distance. You know, the CDT still awaits you, my friend. I was. I, I got to ask you about that later. So yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so when we last spoke, you were uh, you were living in Seattle. I guess we last spoke in January of 2014, and uh, we talked about your Pacific Crest Trail through hike, which, by the way one of the most popular podcasts in the series so far. So kudos to you. Super cool. Um, yeah, but I know you've had a ton of great time since then, so I was hoping that we could, uh, you know, hear about what you've been up to. Um, bring us up to speed just on the last few months, because I've seen that you've been traveling all over the country, and um, I can't even keep up with you. It took us, what, three, four <laughs> months just to get together, because you were all over the place. Yeah, yeah, I've been, I've been all over. Well, let's see, I was... Um... I was back. I was back in Virginia um, for about a month and a half, and I was helping out when I hiked the PCT in um, 2013. I raised money for an organization called For Love of Children, and 
I ended up working there for about a month and a half. And then I, I didn't really have anything to do. So I was like, I'm going to drive up to New Hampshire and hike my favorite section of the Appalachian Trail. So I hiked from uh, Mount Musilock up to Rangeley. And I had some friends up there and had some fun and rode my bike and hiked 200, I think it was about 200 and something miles. And then I drove across the country, met up with my buddy Junior, and then hiked the John Muir Trail from, from Mount Whitney all the way down into Yosemite Valley, which is about 220 miles. So, yeah, I've been hiking and, and biking and running, and I've been trying to spread some love, and I do some homeless work here and there on my travels, too. Yeah, yeah, I definitely wanted to ask you about that later because, you know, I was sort of following your Burgers for Love effort there over the last couple of years. But, um, hey, so let me ask you about the John Muir Trail real quick because mm-hmm. some of the PCT, Pacific Crest Trail, um, actually covers the John Muir, right? Did you end up retracing some steps there? Yeah, um, most, uh, almost most of the John Muir Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail, they run, it's the same trail. Um when you get, so from Mount Whitney all the way to Mammoth Lakes, which is about, well, you actually go to Red's Meadow, but Mammoth Lakes is the town where you go to resupply. And that's about 160 miles, and that's all concurrent. That's PCT, JMT. And then at Mammoth Lakes, or Red's Meadow, is where the JMT and the PCT split off for a little while. And then they reconnect um just briefly, and then next thing you know, you're in Yosemite Valley. Um, I've done that the last two summers. Was it kind of surreal to be back? So you, this was not the first time you did the job here then? No, it's my pretty much my third time if you counted the PCT oh. where, where I didn't oh. do the last, you know, 26 miles into the valley. So, yeah, it's yeah. about three times. Awesome, and how many is there? I mean, I know John Muir's pretty popular. Is it? Uh, how do you compare the traffic on that? Uh, say the AT. Oh, it was virtue. It was it was wild. So I yeah. I thought if we were doing it, you know, in the end of September, I knew that there'd be no mosquitoes. And well, if you Google it, like when's the best time to hike the JMT? It says, oh, hike it in September. There'll be less people. And I think everyone and their mother read that. And so uh, I was blown away by how many people were out there. We saw, we probably only met, we didn't meet, we, we only met maybe two PCT Southbounders, and we probably met well over, I mean, it had to be 200 Southbound hikers, or we only saw wow. maybe four Northbounders. Yeah, it's beautiful scenery. I mean, I understand, you know, why everybody's trying to hit that. Now, now where are you right now? Are you... Um... Are you in the Northwest? Yeah, I'm. I'm up in in Seattle uh, currently. Okay, so you're yeah. back there. Gotcha. I'm back here. Yeah, I love it up here. But no, the John Muir Trail. It was such a those few hundred miles bumping from the Appalachian Trail to the John Muir Trail. It, it was phenomenal. And what's so cool about the John Muir Trail is the first you're out there, you don't cross a road or anything for the first hundred and sixty miles. So those first seven days or whatever that was, seven or eight days, we were doing about 20-mile days, were, oh, I relived so many moments of when I was on the PCT. That was my first time being in Kings Canyon and going up Mount Whitney and and going up 
Forster Pass and Muir Pass and Glen Pass, and every time I go back there, I, I remember those feelings of who I was with and how I felt when I was on the PCT. So, yeah, it's very, uh, what's that word? Nostalgic. It's like a, it's a trip. It's a trip down memory lane. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you wouldn't yeah. believe, like, the silly things you remember. Like, I remember doing a cartwheel on this little footbridge here and just yeah. silly little things. But, oh, uh, no, it was it was great. You want to hear a funny story about what happened to me last Absolutely. year when I was on the JMT? Sure. So I got to Red's Meadow, which is like a little outpost. You have the Devil's Post Pile right there, which is a national monument. And so they have like a little small diner and a general store. And then you typically, the through, through hikers, or if you're hiking the JMT, you'll take a bus from Red's Meadow um, into Mammoth Lakes. And so I got in right as the general store was closing, and I met some through hikers um, that were going northbound on the PCT, and we drank a bunch of beer. And there's an outhouse there, and there's just a, like a little there's a, a few little lights and I see what I think is this big black dog running up to me. And so, so I'm clapping my hands like, come here, boy, come here, boy. And this thing's running right at me. What I thought was a dog. And luckily <laughs> this car happens to be turning into one of these cabins and it's this little black bear charging at me. <laughs> I was, I was guessing that what was coming. Uh, it was yeah, it was a hoot. It was funny, and but yeah, no, the John Muir Trail is. There's a lot of people out there, but you can't blame them because all those alpine lakes and I mean, there's just so much to see up there. Some of the best sunsets I've ever seen in my life are up there where you're above ten thousand feet for most of the trail. Yeah, great scenery. So, I mean, hey, a great question, though, for you is the bears, because I've always heard that uh, that section of the Pacific Crest Trail and, you know, some other sections not far from there have a lot of issues with bears. I mean, is that the case? Are you carrying a bear canister the whole time? Yeah, you, you're required to carry a bear can um, on the entire JMT. And the bears, oh, you know right where they are. I mean, it's just like everywhere else. They're close to the water, you know, yeah. where they where they can drink and where the berries are. And it, it was funny because when I hiked it last year, I saw a couple bears in this one area after this place called the Golden Staircase. And it's right before you go up Muir Pass. And so me and my buddy, I was hiking with my buddy Junior, uh, and I go, we're definitely going to see some bears in this valley. And sure enough, we saw two black bears that night. We actually had one bear came up, to our tent so we were camped right next to each other we saw this bear probably i don't know an hour before two hours before fell asleep and this bear came right up to my tent i had my bear can right next to this tree next to my tent and i just i wake up to my buddy junior's making these like weird ninja noises he's like ah! and i wake up and i'm like what are you doing junior and he's like there's a bear right there and i turn on my light there's this black bear just running away from my tent so yeah there there are a ton of bears there and i think a lot of that is it's just because so many people are going through there and that's why it's required that you, you have bear cans because they're just curious they're big raccoons trying to get some food 
Yeah, and those bear cans aren't light. I've got a couple of them. I carried them in Alaska and some other places before. Um, hey, man, so you, you were mentioning just when you were on the John Muir that, you know, you were having flashbacks to previous years. So it's a perfect segue into sort of my, well, what's 30-pack been up to since our last interview? So the last time we talked, you were with Alex, uh, a.k.a. Outburst, and you guys um, – I think we're just on the verge of spending the spring and the summer driving, hiking, backpacking all over the West. Tell us about that trip, because it sounds like that was a pretty awesome summer. Oh, that was an amazing summer. Well, we were, she's from Montana, um, Missoula, and she was, well, we talked about this big road trip that we could go on, and originally it was her idea, and then it was like, all right, well, let's, let's do this, and... So that was in 2014. That was right when I was starting Backcountry Ninjas. Also, um, so yeah, we you left. You want to give you want to give a quick plug for that one? Oh well, yeah, we'll talk about it. Um, okay, we'll save it for later. Or you want to plug now? Well, all I can say, like at the beginning, how it all started was when I was hiking the Pacific Crest Trail. When we were finishing up, I was like there's not really like a t-shirt company for through hikers that makes cool PCT shirts, Appalachian trail shirts, you know, shirts that are for long distance hikers. So I started to, I decided to reach out to some friends that were, you know, design graphic designers and got together with a wonderful friend of mine named rocket llama and sent her some ideas. So we have a t-shirt like I eat mountains for breakfast and hike your own hike and, no rain, no pain, no main. And so we, I ordered a bunch of t-shirts and we loaded up the Subaru on the road trip. And as we were driving, I'd stop in the stores and give them a little sales pitch and sell them to stores and then sell them online. And it was kind of just something where it was for my friends and I didn't think it was going to get as big as it did. And my first Probably the first hundred orders, I probably knew ninety of the people, and then my second hundred orders, I probably knew one of them. So, mm-hmm. and, and we raised money for the trails, which is awesome, and you know, it's just real fun, like making T-shirts. Really, you just make T-shirts that you like and that you hope other people like them too. And it's really the only T-shirts I wear anymore, are the, the ones I've made. Yeah, and you had some cool hats too. That's BackcountryNinjas.com. Do I have that right? For the listeners. Yeah, that's that's correct. Yeah. We'll give you a quick give you a quick shout out there. There you go. Well we could throw out like a twenty five percent coupon code, which is Samurai too. <laughs> Samurai. Perfect. There you go. So, so and I, I noticed Alex was a model in some of your um backcountry ninjas wear, but so you guys spend the summer together, you God, tell tell us about that trip because I think you said you put like twenty thousand miles on your car, right? Yeah, it was actually her her family's car that they graciously let us use for that summer and oh yeah we we put just just over 20,000 miles and we we started in well that was my first big road trip i never been on a i mean a road trip to me was like driving six six hours to go to the beach and so this <laughs> this was one where we had you know we for had most our, people for most people in atlanta that's all they do Right, right. But the road trip, the road, the, it's pretty awesome, isn't it? When you spend a few months or multiple months on the road. Oh, it was it was amazing. So that was my first time doing that. You know, I've I've traveled, you know, through the Appalachian Trail and Supercrest Trail, and 
I've hiked a bunch, but I, I never, you have the accessibility when you have a car, you're like, Oh, we could be here tomorrow. We'll be here in two days. And there's so much that you can see. And so we started in Montana and then went through Wyoming, Colorado. We actually spent Valentine's day in Rocky mountain national park. And we cooked up, we had some really nice steaks and drank some wine and played chess and, you know, there's snow everywhere and elk everywhere. And then we went all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. And then we kind of went back to California and then all the way up through Oregon and back to Seattle and then back down to Yosemite Valley. And she hiked the, at the end of the trip, she hiked the uh, John Muir Trail with her dad. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. That's a great way to spend some time with your uh, with your folks. So yeah. do, do I remember you, you guys went to the PCT kickoff, right? Yeah, we went to kickoff. So, yeah, at, at that point, I'd, well, I went 2013, 14, and 15, and they didn't have it this year. But, yeah, a bunch of – it's like sort of a tradition where the year after you hike the trail, you go down to kickoff, and it's like a big alumni party. And so there was probably 30 or 40 of us at least that hiked the trail in 2013 that went back 2014. So it was a, a lot of fun. And, um, two of our friends, hot tub and coincidence had some extra time off from what they were doing. And then we went on a mini road trip with them and we went back to the PCT and climbed, uh, San Juacito, which is in Southern California. I actually almost got bit by a, a rattlesnake that day. We were hiking down mm-hmm. the trail, and coincidence was right behind me, and then hot tub and outburst were a little bit behind us. And and this rattlesnake was, like, coiled up in these, almost like a mini rock cave, you know, just probably a foot high, right off the side of the trail, so you couldn't see him. And he was almost purely black, which I've never, it's the only rattlesnake I've seen that was that dark. And he came out, and I had I had my big walking stick, and he almost struck my stick. He was about probably six to eight inches away from my body, which caused me, as he I heard the the rattle and him fly at me, trying to bite me. It was all like so instantaneous, and I jumped and I pretty much fell off the mountain. But there was a bunch of brush that caught me, which was a pretty intense moment. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, if you're in the Southwest, there's uh, pretty much rattlesnakes. I mean, that's part of the deal, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, there's tons of them, especially with my time in Utah. I I see them all, all the time. It was actually a great way to scare the kids that I worked with from running away at night. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is a great time for you to talk about that. I mean, I don't want to jump ahead too much because we haven't kind of gone through your 2014 experience yet, but... Um, um, yeah, maybe this is a good time to segue into that. Yeah, yeah. The, do you want me to talk about wh- how that all transpired? Yeah, well, that 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 was kind of your 2015, right? Is that um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We can, we, we can talk. We can talk about the road trip because there's there's a lot, and then and then jump over that way. Um, well, I mean, one of the things I wanted to ask you about while we're still in the Southwest is the White Sands, because I, I love that place. I mean, it's a it's a national park that most people don't know much about. Um, I mean, do you want to talk about that experience? Because I loved it. I thought it was cool as hell. New Mexico. Oh, 
Oh, totally, totally. No, I, I love, yeah, that was my first time ever being there. Um, and I've been to like sand dunes, you know, down on the beach, like in North Carolina, but nothing like the white sands. Um, we just have these sandy white hills for miles and miles. And then you have some big snow capped mountains in the distance. And yeah, they have a, at the visitor center, you can rent like those little green sleds that you have when you're a kid. And so we rented sleds and kind of just, well, it feels like you can just walk forever. Um, and then we went sledding and yeah, I got some cool vi- like time-lapse videos of, cause when you're walking off into the distance, it seems like you're never going to get back to where you, where you were, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I said national park, I think it's technically a national monument, but I, I tried to do some sled riding in a thermarest and, uh, it, it didn't work out so well for me. So I, I think the green sleds are the right call. But, it, I mean, yeah. it, for the listeners, it's it's not sand. It's basically gypsum, right? The gypsum board that you see in houses. Oh, I'm not sure. It yeah, feels... I mean, but it's like, a, it's like a powder. It's almost like a baby powder. It's not like true sand. Yeah. It's, that was it's, my experience. It's, it's rough. Yeah, it's definitely rough. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. nothing like when you're down on the beach. It's not like that. It's It's a lot rougher. It's great for cleaning up a cook pot. <laughs> it's got the right amount of grit, huh? That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. New, Mex- New Mexico is one of my favorite states. I used to live in, in Taos, New Mexico, for about a year. I was a ski instructor down there um, at the oh, Taos awesome. Ski Valley. So yeah, I, what, years, what years was that? Was that in oh, that between was, here? That was in 2005, probably. Okay, a while back. Gotcha. That was a long time ago, yeah. Yeah. Hey, so I noticed you were in some pretty cool backcountry hot tubs in your cross-country trip there. I mean, uh, any any that you're willing to share with us or, uh, you know, some of your favorites that are well-known that uh, are okay to go public? Oh, yeah. Oh, probably, well, I mean, one of my favorites, and I've been there a few times, is actually, since we were just talking about New Mexico, is right outside of Taos. Um, and I'm not sure what the name is. But there's some hot springs right on the Rio Grande that are just amazing, and they're not very—they're not not too many people go to them, which is super cool. But you can see there's a lot of volcano rock right on the Rio, and so you're like sitting where like an old lava river just ripped through this valley, and there's these hot springs just right on the side of the river. And so when I, I went on a mini road trip for two weeks earlier this summer um and we went i took my buddy down there so it's outside of taos new mexico we went down there and you kind of go down this dirt road it's a big fishing spot and we get down there and we meet this there's this lady that's coming down and her name's donna and just this real sweet southern lady i think gosh she was from tennessee or she was from somewhere in the southeast she had a nice southern accent and she tells us, oh, it's my birthday. It's my birthday. And we're like, no way. And, and she's like, oh, well, it's actually tomorrow, but I'm celebrating it today because I have the day off. And so we meet this lady, and the only thing, I mean, we were just talking briefly, and she tells us, oh, I, I'm a nurse at this hospital in Santa Fe. We had no idea what, what hospital, and she leaves, and we leave. And I, I look at my buddy David that I was on the road trip with. I said, David, you ready? We're going to do something magic. So we called, 
all the hospitals in, in Santa Fe. We go down to this little party store. We get balloons. We go to the grocery store. We get a cake. We get flowers. And we've got these cool little sombreros to wear. And after a while, we found out where, which hospital she was and what wing she was in. And we just randomly surprised her, just two random hippies at some hot springs that just knew her, knew her name in the hospital. And we, we came on her birthday, and we got all the nurses, and we sang her happy birthday. It was super cool. But those are that's one of my favorite hot springs is in yeah, right outside of Taos, New Mexico. Um, but the ones I go to most frequently, I've probably been about 20 times, or they're pretty popular, but they're called the Green Church Hot Springs. And those are out. Yeah, I just want to say before you move on to the hot spring, I, I saw the photos and video on Facebook of the nurse that you surprised, and that was pretty awesome. The pictures, uh, the pictures tell the story way better than you know anything. Right. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was super was awesome. cool. Yeah, I, I like but, to do random acts of kindness, and they're just so fun to do. And you you can make someone's day at any point if you choose to to go out of your way and like. For me, it's like not even out of the way. It's something I want to do, you know. So I think it's yeah. important to try to make strangers smile. Yeah, it, you could tell she was definitely, uh, I mean, the random acts of kindness. Uh, the mojo was high in the hospital that day from what I saw. But anyway, so, you, were, you were talking yeah. about some hot springs elsewhere. Oh, well, there's some, there's some awesome hot springs outside of Mammoth Lakes, uh, California, which is a PCT Trail Town. It's a big place to go mountain biking and skiing, and those are right off right off the highway. But you can see the the High Sierras to your west, and then you have the Inyo Mountains to your east, and just amazing sunsets right there because you're just in the middle of this valley. You take this little gravel road to get back down there. So those those are some of my favorite. Um, and then there's the Jerry Johnson Hot Springs. Those are up in Idaho, and it's like a mini hot spring waterfall that drops into this tub right alongside this river. And one time we we snowshoed there, so there's probably three or four feet of snow, and and we snowshoed a few miles into there. And oh, natural hot springs are phenomenal. Yeah, you don't get them back. I mean, you grew up in the east like me, right? And you don't get them around here, so. You appreciate them a lot more, I think, when you get them out there. Yeah, I don't think I'd ever, I don't think I'd ever been to a natural hot spring until the PCT. Um, there's some like 200 miles in. I think that was the first time I've been to a natural hot spring, and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah, well, I'm thinking of the hot springs in North Carolina on the AT. I'm not, you know those are a little different because they're sort of commercialized, but I guess technically they're hot springs. So there are hot springs in the East coast, but they're, you know, much harder to find. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, the commercialized ones are, they're just so different than being like out in the wild and where you got to hike to them or you got to drive down some dirt road to get to them. There's something so much more special to that. Because, I mean, there's some cool, there's like a town in Wyoming called Thermopolis. And they have, there's like six buildings, I don't know, three or four buildings, maybe six, with all hot springs in them. And so it's just a totally different feel when you're like grabbing a towel and paying someone five bucks to go into it. 
So yeah, totally. No, I agree. It's it's you got to work for it to really fully appreciate it. Right, right. So I think my my favorite was going to the Jerry Johnson ones in, in Idaho, and that's kind of right on the the border of Idaho and Montana. And it was right. there was no one there, and we snowshoed in, and it, it, there's just something so magical about being out. There's you know no footprints. And it was like it was almost like we discovered it. Like we knew where it was, but you felt like it was your own little yeah. adventure. Yeah, like no one had ever been there before. Hey, I noticed when you guys were traveling that you you, you obviously stayed with a lot of people you knew from the through hiking community. Um, are, are you still in touch with a lot of those folks? And have they moved on to any crazy, exciting adventures that uh, you, you want to tag for your future? Oh, I've yeah, I've been so blessed. After the AT and the PCT, I've well, I've traveled the country so many times. I've driven about a little over sixty thousand miles in the last just about in the last two years, coming up in February. And I've seen. I actually made a list, a list of all the people that I've seen after the trail, and there's probably about fifty people on the list. But so many of, of my friends, like so many of my friends from the Appalachian Trail went off to hike the PCT or the CDT. And then I had friends from the PCT hike the CDT or the AT. I had a couple of friends cross-country uh, bike and a couple of friends go hike the TA in New Zealand. Um, I, I had a friend or two go up to Antarctica. So it, after you meet like such adventurous and open-minded folks that just want to explore the world, you know, on these long trails, everyone's always up, not everyone, but so many of my friends are always up to some groovy adventure, you know? Yeah. You said it once before. It's, it's addictive brother. I think that's an exact quote from 30. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's true. It's, it's very addictive. And yeah, so I dream about, you know, I dream about the CDT a lot. I dream um, a lot about hiking in New Zealand and Patagonia. And I think my next big, big thing is going to be something on the bike. <laughs> you know, there's many cross-country, um, well-mapped routes across the U.S. Or are you thinking international? Um, no, I'd probably, I'd probably start it here. Well, I, I bike a lot. One of the reasons I love Seattle is because it's so bike friendly. So yeah, just yesterday I went for a nice 45 mile bike ride, and I'm trying to ride about 500 miles a month just around here and start training to get up to doing you know 80, 100 mile days. Yeah, it's it's a different kind of freedom, for sure. And and it's almost kind of teeing you up for the triathlon because uh, you're running, you're hiking, you're biking. All you're missing is the swimming piece, man. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I thought about, uh, yeah, I, mean, I bet I could go do a triathlon tomorrow. Yeah, so let's talk about that because you get back to Seattle, and maybe before we jump to that, because I know you did a marathon when you got there. Um, but you close out 2014. It, it must not have worked out between you and Alex. Um, in you know, if you want to wrap that up, then you get back to Seattle. So kind of close 2014 out for us. Cause I know you did a marathon that year and that was your first, right? That was my first. Yeah. Well at the, uh, so 2014, we went on this 
20,000 mile road trip and went to, I don't know, probably a dozen national parks and tons of national forests and camping all the time. I got to meet a bunch of her family. You know, we went down to San Antonio and Dallas and Houston and all over Texas and Big Bend National Park is actually, that might be my, uh, it's so hard to pick a favorite, but Big Bend National Park is definitely one of my favorites. And we climbed the highest uh, peak in, in Big Bend, which is about 7,800 Emory Peak. And then, then we went to Guadalupe and climbed the highest mountain in Texas, which most people are surprised to hear. It's just under 9,000 feet. Um, and then when we went, so we broke up when we were in a, or took a long break, I should say, break up, same thing. Um, when we were in Yosemite, just about, we broke up in Mammoth. But when I was down there, when her and her dad started hiking the John Muir Trail, I went up and I climbed, um, or I hiked, I didn't climb Half Dome and then Eagle's Peak and camped up on El Cap and beautiful sunrise. El Cap is, if you ever camp up there, you get a beautiful sunrise. The sunrise comes right over Half Dome, which is just majestic. Um, oh, that road trip was amazing. I went to so many places. That was in 2014. It was my first time ever being to the Grand Canyon. And so there's so many places that I've never seen. But after hiking so many miles, I just, I, I always, and I still do, just want to see more and hike more and explore more. And then when we broke up, I came back up to, um, up to Seattle and I had, I dropped off the car. So it was her, her family's car. So I dropped off the car with her brother. And that's when I, I, I decided to just kind of live at this park for a few weeks. And so I moved into a new place. And that's where Burgers and Love started. Oh, yeah. So we, we should definitely talk about that. Now, so 2014 ends up with you going to Seattle, and then you ran a marathon at the very end of that, right? Yeah, that was, was, was right around Thanksgiving. And, and Burgers and Love happened at the same time, or that came later? That No, that happened right at the same time. Well, what happened was um, I, I decided just to live at this park out of my backpack, so I, I loaded all the T-shirts up, and I put them in a storage unit downtown in Seattle, and I'd stay at this park and kind of just throw my sleeping bag out at night, which you really learn the sprinkler system times after you <laughs> live there for three weeks. You get a little That's wet. And I, can't, I can't believe they don't get enough rain in Seattle to keep the grass green. <laughs> oh, they sure do, but... No, it's a, a beautiful park. So, uh, yeah, that's a good question. I never thought about that. But so I'd, I'd like, I'd go, I'd hike, I'd walk downtown every day and go to my storage unit and wrap up orders and then go ship them off. And one day I was walking downtown and I saw this homeless guy right next to this McDonald's, maybe a block away. And I don't know, it just pulled something in me it made me sad I can't remember what his sign says or said or, or what he looked like but I just got sad for this human that was on the streets begging for food he, he didn't want money he was just someone that was hungry and 
So I decided to go to McDonald's and I bought like 10, 15 cheeseburgers. I gave him a couple and then I just started walking around downtown and handing them out to other people that were homeless. And after a few weeks, I was buying sleeping bags and tarps and rain jackets and tons of cheeseburgers, tons of cheeseburgers. And I go out with, I go out with my buddy Redbeard and he turns out to be a, a videographer. And so he's like great at film work. And so I'm, I'm telling him, I'm like, Hey dude, like I haven't really talked to anyone about this much, but I have this idea of handing out a thousand cheeseburgers downtown, but I'm going to need some help. And he's like, dude, I'm, a videographer like I can film this and I'll get you like we can get like a mic so I like wore like a microphone and then we shot this video with the goal for 30 days to hand out 30 cheeseburgers to 30 people and we did like a Kickstarter type thing it was on a web page called Indiegogo and it ended up raising the money just like that and I think it took two days or something to raise a thousand bucks and it was such a a very humbling and, and beautiful experience, but it's also very heartbreaking, the the people yeah. that you meet. Well, I mean, you got to know a lot of the people by name. I remember you on your website that, you know, you personally knew them by name. Um, I mean, was there anybody that affected you the most? Crystal, yeah. Oh, yeah? I think I remember a picture of you and her. Yeah, yeah, there was, well, there was two, two people that really stick out in my in my memory are, are Crystal and this guy named Tex. He is from Texas, so his, his name was Tex. And, I mean, you meet, I, I get kind of emotional and, about all this, but you, you meet people like Crystal or like Tex that they got thrown into some crazy situation and they lost hope temporarily and they're not on drugs. They're not drinking they're depressed and they're sad and I think a lot of uh, Americans think that most of these people are trying to get high and, and just trying to get drunk and looking for the next fix where a lot of the times in my experience has been otherwise where they're trying to pick themselves back up but imagine how hard that is when you're homeless and you smell and you're begging for food, it's hard to, like, walk in somewhere and get a job. And, and some of these people don't have, you know, a driver's license, identification card, which makes it extremely hard to do anything, really. And, no, Crystal really, really touched me. It was just, she's a very sweet young lady, probably in her late 20s, and she would just sit on this corner with her dog and a sign and a bunch of blankets and, try to stay warm and and she'd have other pe other like homeless men would come and kind of mess with her in the night so she always had to move her spot and yeah a lot of these people really really touch you and the big thing that everyone in this world needs is love and so I think it was great giving them warm cheeseburgers but I think the biggest thing that I gave them was my time and my love and I tried to hug these people and, and look them in the eye and ask them, them ask them what their name was. And that's, that's a huge thing because they get in Seattle, there's thousands of people walking 
downtown across the street and on the sidewalks. And some of these people, when's the last time someone said, what's your name? Hi, I'm Kevin, you know? So yeah. a lot of that is just giving someone your time and, and your energy, I think, was the biggest thing. Let Letting them know. And sometimes I'd walk around for three or four hours to find Crystal to get her get her some cheeseburgers and give her a hug. Yeah, I mean, in, I mean, I think there's a lot of cities that probably have have that represented. So, I mean, let me ask you because I remember from your website page that there there was a day where, and I can't recall who you were with, but you were with a homeless person, and someone drove by, and I don't know if they were throwing eggs or water balloons at you, but I, I remember that you were essentially under attack. You, you want to talk about that experience and and just what it's like? Because I mean, it sounds like there's legitimate reason to be afraid out there. Yeah, that was uh, so I was. What happened there, I, I can't remember the street I was on, but I was in northern Seattle, and I was walking home. I think I just got back. I got done with, like, a dodgeball game or something like that. And I met this homeless lady and got her some food and some water. And she was, I, I don't for lack of better term, she was a... Uh, prostitute and she was smoking crack so she was like hey do you want to smoke some crack and I was like no <laughs> but here's some food some water and this like red oh I'll never forget this red convertible came down it must have been like high school kids and she was very raggedy dress baggy and sweatpants and, and dirty um and so they they threw eggs at us, but they had to be going 50 miles an hour. So I saw the guy stand like stand up kind of in the back seat to throw them, and I was on the right side of her. So I, it happened so fast I couldn't like totally block her. So I got pelted with this egg, and then or a couple eggs, and she got pelted like real hard, and she started crying and. Oh, it was sad. It was sad because there was nothing I could really do. You know, I was there to comfort her, but I wasn't in a position to be like, hey, come take a shower at my house. You know what I mean? So it was just some some punk high school kids, but we all go through that phase as kids. I'm sure they weren't, they just didn't understand what they were doing because to her, that was a lot more hurtful than it was to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely remember vividly your your posting on that, and that has obviously been a couple of years ago. But I mean, were there other times you're afraid? Because you know, some of those areas that you're in sound like they, uh, you know, aren't the most upscale parts of town, right? Yeah, yeah. No, there's, I, no, there was no point that I was afraid. I, I think it's very important as long as you have a smile on your face and you're genuine in what you're doing. And I'm sure my curly, long hair helps a ton. <laughs> your your hobo-looking nature. Yeah, people people are nice. When, you, when you're trying to spread love and, and you're genuine about it, and that's how I live. And so I was never scared. There was definitely moments, you know, that were, you know, I'd, I'd walk into some dark alleys where people were, shooting up heroin or on meth and they were pretty drugged out but the thing of the matter for for me was always 
everyone needs love and everyone needs food to survive. So I, I looked at it more like, hey, I'm going to go hook these guys up with cheeseburgers because to me, I'm not – is it bad that people are shooting heroin? Yes. Yeah, I don't I don't think people should use drugs, of course. But the situation that they're in, I can kind of understand it after spending a lot of time on the streets with homeless people. It's like, damn, they – they kind of some of these people have nothing to live for. They don't have family. They don't have friends. And if they're they want to do heroin, I can sort of understand where they're coming from with that. So I tried not to judge anyone um, for what they were doing or the situation that they were in. I was trying to give people food and give people some attention and love was was my focus. Yeah, and you, you actually took that beyond Seattle. I thought I remembered you took it to, like, Denver and Salt Lake, too. Um, no, well, well, the Burgers and Love Project was all in Seattle. Um, but I sort of, I try to do something everywhere I go. So I've done some stuff in, in Denver and, and Salt Lake and Portland and L.A. and Santa Fe and Albuquerque and D.C. and Everywhere I go, I, I try to help some homeless people out as much as I can. Yeah, I, I thought I remembered seeing you in some other cities doing something similar. Yeah, I mean, one great thing about your thru-hiker experience is you've slept in some pretty funky places, and you've uh, been in some different places, right? So it makes you, I think, <laughs> it, it makes you more um, accustomed to uh, adapting, I guess is the right word. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think something that the trail, um, the trail and traveling so much for the last five years um, has just taught me that people, there's so many awesome, nice people out there, and it's a beautiful world, and so many people have taken care of me, so I want to help take care of people as much as I physically and emotionally can as well, you know, you you give out as much love as you can, and that love comes back to you. Yeah, I agree. You know, my wife loves ID Discovery, which is like the most depressing channel to watch on TV because you think everyone's crazy, which is <laughs> not the case at all, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there is, I mean, if anybody that spent a long period of time on a long-distance trail r realizes that the world is a way better place than it's ever, you know, kind of shown on TV, right? Oh, totally, totally. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Uh, maybe one day they'll come up with a happy news channel. <laughs> they certainly need one, that's for sure. So, so let's wrap up 2014, and I just want to get into your 2015, because you had an exciting year there as well. Um, but so 2014, I, I got to tell you, 30, I had a lot of people ask me about the relationship. I mean, there seemed to be a lot of interest from your previous podcast. Have you guys kept in touch? Do you Have you talked since? Oh, we just talked last night. We had a wonderful, wonderful talk. Um, well, we, uh, make a long story short, um, and not too personal, we um, we broke up in 2014, and then uh, we started talking again in December of last year. And we, we've had a lot of fun over the last eight months, and we're taking a little break again. So 
who knows? Uh, she's the most wonderful woman I've ever met in my life, and she's a believer, and she's an awesome person. So hopefully things work out in the future, but who knows? Yeah, and I won't pry. I just want to let you know that I did get I did get actually questions about that. Uh, you can believe funny. it through through the podcast. So Yeah, well um, she's the, the love of my life, bird shooter and yeah, she's always on my mind, that's for sure. But we've we've had awesome adventures um together. But when the time is right, the time is right, you know? Yeah, I hear you. So let's move on to 2015 because you haven't even talked about your work with the um, with the, with the kids in Utah yet, and I, I know that's been a big part of your life since. Um, hey, you want to take a break? Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Does that work? Yeah, that works. All right. My conversation with Thirty Pack went for two plus hours, so in episode 37. We will uh, continue the show and hear uh, about hallucinations in the Grand Canyon, ultra marathons, hearing and seeing ghosts with the Navajo, and uh, more at 30's life, living out of his car for two and a half years. Uh, the show should be live in a couple weeks, so get caught up on his 2013 interview in episode 13, or his 2014 interview in episodes 19-20, or check back in mid-November. Thank you for listening to the Into Backpacking Podcast. This is your host, Bird Shooter, wishing you the best for your travels on the trail. To subscribe to this show, visit iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And give us a thumbs up or a positive comment while you're there. You can also download shows directly from intobackpacking.com. Just click the Podcast tab on the main menu. Music for this show was provided by Jarrus under a Creative Commons license and is titled Hillbilly Anarchy. This show is a production of N2 Backpacking and is copyrighted by N2 Ventures Inc. For more information on this podcast or to provide feedback or comments on this or future shows, please visit us at n2backpacking.com. That's the letter N, the number two, backpacking.com.